You're listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Welcome again to Resurgence. Those of you here and those of you watching online, as Travis said, my name is Donovan. I'm in the global lead team for Resurgence, and it's such an honor to be able to come and share with you tonight. I'm also a pastor at McKernan Baptist Church, and I work specifically with young adults and the worship ministry there. And uh, yeah, I'm really, my passion in my heart is to see people coming into to the reality of who Christ is and who he's called them to be. And uh, so Resurgence is a perfect fit for me to serve in a place that I love to, to share my gifts. And I'm looking forward to what God has for us as a ministry and what he's going to do in the city through Resurgence. Um, but Happy New Year! It's January 2021. That's crazy. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but the last few weeks I've been reflecting a lot. Uh, 2020 was quite an unexpected year. It was quite a different year. And I have a question. How many of you have a word for the year? Raise your hand if you have like a word for the year. <laughs> That's a good, that, that works, that works. How many of you had a word for 2020? Anyone? Like at the beginning of 2020, you had a word for it? Well, peace? How did that go? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> My word for 2020 was present, like being present to God, present to one another's. And I had a lot of opportunities to do that in 2020. Uh, a lot of the things that would have distracted me or taken me away from important things really got shut down. So 2020 for me was a lot of presence. Uh, but my question is, what is your, your word for 2021? Does anyone have a word for 2021? Anyone? Anyone bold enough to share their word? Growth. That is a good word. Any others? Redeem. That's good. Anyone else? What's that? Freedom. Good word. Awesome. So you're here amongst our community. Uh, what I mean when I'm saying a word for the year is kind of something that God wants us to focus on, something he wants us to put our energy towards, something we're believing him for, perhaps, something that um, we, we may be excited to walk into in the new year. Um, so I want to encourage you, before I get into my, my talk tonight, what is your word for 2021? What is God inviting you into this year? My word for 2021 is faith. And, and I believe that this is going to be a year where, um, where God is going to take me beyond uh, some of the things that I've expected before, and he's going to move me into some new uh, territory, I believe, this year. And, uh, and, and I believe he has some really cool things for me this year. And so my word is faith. And as I was praying about that and reflecting on that, God gave me a, a word for, I believe, this community for resurgence about faith. And what does it look like for us to embrace uh, faith? And not that I need your word for 2021 to be faith, um, but, uh, but I believe that when we uh, look at the word faith and what it means and what the Bible invites us into in regards to faith, we're going to see that God has some pretty amazing things for us in the year ahead. And so, yeah, again, before, like I said, before I get into my talk, I want to give you like 30 seconds. Just ask the Lord maybe what may be a word for 2021. You don't need to have an answer right now. He might give you a few different ideas, but I'm literally just going to be quiet for 30 seconds. So those of you online, just do the same thing. Just take some time and think about this year ahead. What is something that God may be inviting you into? What is something that he may be wanting you to grow in in this upcoming year? And so just take some time with him now.
I have two children under four, so this silence is actually really nice. <laughs> I could do this for a while. <laughs> Sorry, hopefully, hopefully you got some ideas or thoughts. Just start thinking about the year ahead. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you to think about this year and what, what God may be inviting you into. Uh, but yeah, like I said, my word is faith. And I really want to share with you tonight uh, about faith, because I think that faith is something that not only is going to impact how we view what's going on in the world, but it's also going to impact how we live in light of what's going on in the world right now. Because like I prayed, it's really, really easy to look at all the circumstances that, that we're going through in our culture and just blow them up so big. It's really, really easy to get a prophetic word or to, uh, to, to read the Bible and read a promise from God and then, and then feel like, when is this ever going to happen? You promised healing. You promised this family member would come to know you. You promised that, but I just haven't seen it yet. And it's really easy for us to get discouraged. But what God invites us into is a life of faith where, where he is bigger than all of the circumstances that we face, where his promises are true regardless of what we see happening in the natural. We believe that in the supernatural, God is at work, doing more than we could ask or imagine. And so my big idea today is this. When we look ahead at 2021, let us look with eyes of faith by believing God for the impossible and following Jesus in a radical way. I think there's a slide there with that. But let us look with eyes of faith at this new year, believing God for the impossible and following Jesus in a radical way. So before uh, I want to get to that idea, I want to define faith. The word faith in the New Testament is a Greek word, pistis, and uh, as you can see there, it's strong confidence in, reliance upon someone or something, often with the object of trust understood. So faith isn't just believing hard enough, or it's not just like thinking that this is going to go the way I think it is. Faith is a strong confidence in. It is a, a reliance upon. Um, so that picture there is something called the leap of faith. Has anyone done the leap of faith before? Raise your hand if you have. It is a high ropes course um, uh, obstacle. And so that pole would be about like 18, 20 feet off the ground. And the whole point of the leap of faith is to climb up to the pole, stand on top of the pole, jump off the pole, and hit something in the air that would be about like three or four feet out. And uh, I don't know about you, I'm not the biggest fan of heights. Those of you who heard me the last time I ministered at Resurgence know my story. And I fell off of a cliff when I was in high school. So heights are not, the, I'm not a big fan of them. But I have a special, um, I actually have a special, I like the leap of faith. Um, <clears throat> I actually worked at summer camp a couple years, or uh, a couple years ago, oh man, like 13 years ago. <laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, I worked at summer camp a lot of years ago, and I was the high ropes course, um, I, I was the high ropes course technician, so I was the person that ran the high ropes course. And so we would take, before high ropes started, before the summer started, we would all get together, those of us that ran the course, and they trained us in how to use all the different obstacles. And one of the things that they did is they assured us of how safe everything was that we would be doing. They said, this harness is strong enough to hold 1,200 pounds or whatever it was. They said, this rope that you're holding, that this rope is made to be able to support the weight of an elephant. You know, like all of these things you hear over and over again, this is how safe this is, this is how safe this is. When you're up on that pole, you don't have to worry that it's not going to catch you. But when you're standing on top of that pole, you're not thinking, oh, this is a strong enough harness to hold 1,000 pounds. This rope can hold an elephant. No, you're thinking, holy smokes, I feel like I'm going to die if I fall off this pole. <laughs> right? 
Faith is, is not just knowing that those things are going to hold you. Faith is actually jumping off the pool. Right? You can say that I believe, yes, I believe that this harness is going to hold me. I believe that this rope secured to this is going to hold me. But if I don't jump off the pool, I don't have any faith. And that's why it's called the leap of faith. And, and I think as followers of Jesus, we can know all the stuff in our heads about God. We can know all the promises that he says. We can know that that's all true. But faith is actually living our life in such a way that without, without that actually being the reality, we're going to fall. Faith is more than just believing the right things about God. Faith is how we live our life in response to what we say we believe. The leap of faith. Um, there was one, um, one of the things that happened during ropes training. I don't share this story often, and I didn't share it with the kids when I was giving them orientation. But um, what happened was we, uh, we were doing some ropes. It wasn't on the leap of faith. It was on a different obstacle. And we were doing um, self, or we weren't self-belaying. We were being belayed by a single person. And so I was on the obstacle chilling out, and the person belaying me was like a very small, petite young lady. And um, one of the things that is very important is that when you're belaying somebody who's bigger than you, you need to have a backup belayer there. And so this person stands behind the person belaying and holds the rope as like a secondary um, way of securing that the person is safe. <laughs> and so what happened is the backup belayer wasn't paying attention when I fell off the obstacle. And literally exactly what you think would happen happened. I fell down and she came up. And thankfully, you know, her weight was enough that it didn't, I didn't hit the ground or anything. And the backup layer caught us eventually. But I tell this because, again, faith is about knowing that we have confidence in something that's actually grounded. <laughs> right? God's not just going to, like, miss us the moment that we step out in faith. Right? Faith is believing that what God says is true and moving in that reality. The Bible says a lot about faith. Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3 are probably the most uh, quoted in the New Testament about faith. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their condemnation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so what is seen was not made of things that are visible. It goes on in verse, verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Jesus did a lot of teaching on faith in Mark uh, chapter 11. Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt it in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says, because you have so little faith, this, this miracle is not happening. He goes on to say, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as this mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew 8, 23, Jesus got into the boat and his disciples follow him. Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Mark 6, 4. Jesus could not do any miracles there in Nazareth, except lay his hand on a few sick people and heal them because of their lack of faith. 
Other biblical teaching in 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is through the word of Christ. James 2, faith without works is dead. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, I've done a lot of reading this week on faith, and I found a, really good, a few really good definitions of faith. Uh, the first is faith is dependence upon God that becomes supernatural in its working. People with faith develop a second kind of sight. They see more than just their circumstances. They see God right beside them. That's Jim Simbala. Graham Cook says, faith is a lifestyle. It is a posture in the goodness of God. Faith has a royal perspective because it keeps company with kings. Faith is the capacity to step out without caution, the empowerment to step into an unsafe place in the natural because you have permission from the Lord to go there. Faith is not even a risk. It is an assurance built on hope. That's good. Bob Goff, I don't have this quote written down because I just found it late last night. Faith is what you do about what you believe. Craig Cooney says, faith moves the hand and heart of God on your behalf. You simply cannot and will not fulfill God's plan and destiny for your life without faith because he will always take you beyond your own limitations and you will need his supernatural enabling and strength. You always have a choice to be controlled by fear or faith. Finally, C.S. Lewis says, faith in the sense in which I'm using the word here is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. So I've given you a lot of information. I just kind of went like, you know, fire hose with some amazing authors and some amazing stuff in the Bible. Because um, I, I want us to, to, to really see that faith is, is this big idea. Faith isn't just, again, believing the right thing. Um, faith is, is all about how we live in response to what we believe. And I really wanted to make that clear um, and, 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 and remind you all of God's goodness and how big and great God is. So when we step out in faith, we can believe that he's going to meet us there. And so let's get back to the big idea that I have for today. Again, it's simple. When we look at 2021, let us look with eyes of faith, believing God for the impossible and following Jesus in a radical way. So the first thing I want to look at is seeing our circumstances through eyes of faith. We're going to go back to the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 13. The context of this story is pretty simple. God's people have just been set free from slavery in Egypt. God showed them who he was over and over and over again. He would provide food for them out of nowhere. He provided water for them out of nowhere. He parted the Red Sea. He set them free. The supernatural was like operating in crazy power every day for God's people back then. They had just been set free from slavery, and God had promised them their own land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This land was called Canaan. They were in the desert between Egypt, slavery, and Canaan, the promise. And they sent out spies to go and look at the land in Canaan. We're going to pick it up in Numbers 13. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men out to spy in the land in Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness according to the command of the Lord. It goes on to say this. So they who spied, or so they, they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness. And then it describes all the different places, names that I can't pronounce. They came to the valley of a shawl and cut down a branch with a cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole to show the people the fruit of the land. 
verse 25, it says this. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the people in the wilderness. They brought back word to them. They told them, we came to the land in which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. However, the people who dwell there are strong. Their cities are fortified. It is very large. And besides, we saw descendants of Anak there. Those would have been like Goliath's ancestors, like giants, big people. Um, the Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites dwell by the sea. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report, saying, The land, though we have gone to spy it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. Verse 14, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land simply to fall by the sword? So God frees his people. The miraculous is happening. Miracles are happening. He's promised them this land. They go spy out the land, 12 of them. The 12 come back. 10 of them say, we can't do this. They give a bad report. Two of them saw with eyes of faith. All this to say, we can go through the same experiences and see it very differently. We can go through the same difficult uh, things and we can have a very different experience of those things. Um, that's why I, I say we need to look at our experiences through eyes of faith. Because how we see is very important. Because what ends up happening is the people of Israel don't listen to the two spies who say God's going to be with us. If we go into this land, he's going to deliver the, the land to us. They don't listen to those two. They listen to the other ten. And what ends up happening is nobody from that generation, except for those two spies who saw with eyes of faith, were able to enter the promised land. Not even Moses was able to enter the promised land. And I think that the, the reason why they weren't able to enter into the prophetic promise that they had is because they didn't see the challenge ahead of them with eyes of faith. They saw it with eyes of fear. Graham Cook says, fear leads to rebellion. Faith, however, leads to the occupation of promise God has given us. Ten spies denied an entire nation access to the fulfillment of prophecy. Only two men from an entire generation inherited it. The terrified, soulish spies stole the dreams of those people because they lived in fear and not in faith. When we look with eyes of faith, we do not allow our circumstances or what always makes sense to the world to shape our understanding of God. Hebrews 11.1, 1, back to what I've already read. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is actually the belief that what I'm seeing isn't the reality necessarily. What I'm seeing right in front of me is not actually the reality necessarily. The unseen, what God is doing, what God is up to is actually more real than what I'm seeing with my two eyes. That's faith. That's seeing with eyes of faith. The reality is, though, we can't just muster up that kind of faith. Like, that kind of faith, we can't just decide one day, I'm going to have that kind of faith. That kind of faith comes through habits. It comes through ways of living our life where we orient ourselves towards God. 
Uh, a few of these ideas are from Banning uh, Liebesche in his book, The Three Mile Journey. If, you, uh, if, if this sermon is stirring you up and you want to read something really good that, that might be going deeper into some of these areas, I really recommend that book. It's called The Three Mile Journey by Banning Liebesche. I don't know how you say it, but he's from Jesus Culture. It's an awesome book. Um, but anyways, here's some habits to, to, to living out and seeing with eyes of faith. I think we have uh, slides for each one of these. Perfect. Um, so seeing with eyes of faith, uh, we see first off, bold faith meditates and remembers. We see, we, 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 we build faith in ourselves. We build our faith muscles by meditating and remembering. How many of you guys are doing like a Bible in a year plan? Anyone? Sure, a few of you are. So, so if you read through, I've been reading through um, the Old Testament, and um, I've been reading through pretty quickly. And one of the things that uh, has really stood out to me this time is how many times God tells His people to remember Him. Over and over and over again, God says, remember how I set you free from Egypt. Remember how I did this miracle. Remember how I did that miracle. Tell it to your kids. Tell it to your kids' kids. Tell it to your neighbors. Tell it to your parents. Literally, like, over and over again. I, I didn't know, I've never noticed it before uh, until I've been reading more quickly through it, but it's just crazy over and over again. Remember what I've done. Bold faith comes through meditating and remembering. And so what that means is if God's done a miracle in your life, if you've done something amazing, don't forget it. Write it down. Tell it to people. Let, let it become something that, that, that you keep in front of you. Uh, and not only circumstances that happen to you, but things in the Bible. Take time to meditate on them. Remember them. Let the reality of this God who, who has died and conquered death, rose from the dead, is, is seated on high. That's worth remembering. That's worth meditating on. Another way we, we build faith is through speaking or singing. Um, I, I think this is really powerful. Uh, and one of the things that really saddens me about not being able to sing in, in some places is that I think faith actually is activated when we sing and declare the truth about who God is. And, and so if you're at a church right now where you're not able to sing, I encourage you, like, don't let Sunday morning be the only time you would have been singing. Go, go and sing in other places. Sing in other times. Speak the truth of God. Our words have power. Our words have authority. How do we talk about God? How do we talk about the promises of God? Do, are we saying, woe is me all the time? Oh, my life is brutal. One of the convictions that my wife had last, uh, it was probably in early December, um, the, she really felt the Lord strongly say to her, stop complaining. Don't complain. Be thankful. Because we realized that so many of our conversations just had to do with like, oh, this sucks. This is brutal. Like, oh, this is horrible. These circumstances are like, and so many of our conversations were just COVID, COVID this, COVID that. And, and we realized we started to get despairing. We were starting to get, it was changing our internal reality. Bold faith speaks the truth. It doesn't live in complaining. It lives in gratitude. Bold faith lives in, in speaking out the truth, in singing out the truth. Uh, Laura Hackett has a, has a song where she literally says, sometimes you've got to sing your way into the truth. And I love that because there's times where literally I'm in a worship service and we're singing a song and I'm feeling really like despairing. But even that song, Yesterday Man, like I swear every time I sing that song, it does that in my heart. Like it just reorients me to his promises. I love that song. Um, I don't know why I felt like one of the, we did a burn a couple of years ago, and um, one of the, uh, I think it was Laura and Josh, your band leading worship. And yeah, you, Laura. Yeah. 
And uh, you were singing that song, Peace Be Still. And the, the bridge of that song is, let faith rise up, oh heart believe, let faith rise up in me. And I think what had happened is Laura, Laura thought it was only an hour long set, but it was actually a two hour long set. Do you remember this? Yeah. And so they only had like three songs for two hours. And so I think Laura sang that bridge like for 45 minutes straight. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> we didn't necessarily go according to plan, but it was awesome. Uh, anyways, we sometimes have to sing the truth, declare it, speak it out. That's how faith rises up in us. Another way is that bold faith sometimes has to wait. Bold faith comes through waiting and trusting. We, we want everything now. We want COVID to be over yesterday. But sometimes bold faith comes through waiting, actively leaning in to the anticipation of what to come. I'm not sure how I worded the next quote. You can put it up there. Bold faith comes through feeding faith. Yes, I like this. One of the things that God's been really um, speaking to me about in the last couple weeks especially is what am I feeding? Am I feeding fear or am I feeding faith? Because every time I open my Facebook or my Instagram or my Twitter, I'm feeding fear. Literally every single time I turn on social media, I'm feeding fear. Because what you feed will grow. And so if you feed fear with all of this stuff that is, is anti what Christ wants you to believe and who he wants you to become, if that's what you're feeding, that's what's going to grow. And so one of the, one of the things I've been um, encouraged to, to do this year by the Lord, um, I read a lot. And, um, and one of the things that, that I feel like God had, had said to me about this year is, I want you to read the Bible before you read anything else every day for the entire year. And, and I'm actually really excited about that because I do read a lot of stuff. And, and I'm excited to feed faith by reading God's word. And some days it might be a lot of chapters. Some days it might be like one chapter or a few verses. But I'm going to feed faith this year. That's something I'm going to do rather than feeding fear. Um, bold faith prays. Bold faith prays. We believe that when we seek God's face, he hears us and he responds to us. We can pray with boldness. We can pray as sons and daughters. With confidence, we can come before him. Finally, bold faith is humble. Bold faith keeps a posture of true humility. You know, and, and, and this one's difficult because this one, um, this one is really about ensuring that we believe that God is the one in control. Um, and, and there might be a level of humility that God's inviting us into this year. Maybe there's been some prophetic words that we're waiting on and, and, or something that has been spoken or done or something we expect that may not actually be from him. And, and the humility and the faith that God might be inviting you into this year is actually to say, God, I'm going to trust you regardless of if I get healed or not. I'm going to trust you regardless of whether this happens or not. And, and by faith, I'm going to believe that you're still good, even if I still have this thing in my life. Even if it hasn't happened the way I expect. Um, so for each of my points, I'm going to get a little bit personal. Uh, the first, uh, th like Travis had said, I haven't ministered since August. And um, the reason for that is because in September, I had to take a stress leave. Uh, I started having really bad anxiety. Uh, the, the best way to describe it is I would go through a stressful situation. My stress level should have been a 2. My reaction to that situation should have been a 2, but it was like a 10. Like, you know, something like, um, I don't even know. Like, my microphone not working. Like, I would have had a panic attack. Like, it was bad. 
And, um, <clears throat> and I remember back in, in September, like it started kind of in June, the first few months of COVID, I feel like, you know, I just kind of pulled up my bootstraps like a, a lot of us did and just kind of put my head down and just went, went and did a lot. And, and, and I, I think God did some pretty cool things. There was cool fruit happening, even in the midst of everything, but my internal world was falling apart. And, um, and so starting in September, I had to take some time off, indefinite stress leave, and, um, and it was interesting because the first, what I realized is like, I just want to get better. <laughs> and my counselor actually had to tell me like, you know what? The worst thing you can do is think, how can I get better? And just make, get yourself better as quickly as you possibly can. Like, she's like, that's the worst thing you can do. She said, you need to just take every day by faith. Just live by faith every day. She's like, be a father and a husband. That's it. For the first time in your life, just be a father and a husband. Nothing else. And so it was really hard for me to like get out of that doer mentality and out of that like how can I fix myself mentality. But I noticed things start to shift. Um, it was probably about November. And, and I, I just felt an invitation from the Holy Spirit. Just, he literally said, read books of faith. And so I started reading books about like the underground church in China. I started reading a book by Catherine Kuhlman, books that just spoke of like miraculous healings, God doing amazing things. I noticed things starting to shift inside of me. I noticed I was starting to be more present, be more patient. I was starting to um, feel more like myself again. Uh, my demeanor was changing. You ask some of my closest friends, they would say like, you literally, you look different. You seem different than you were before. And it's interesting because I don't have any like, I don't have any amazing like, this is how I started feeling better. And I still know I'm in process. I'm still in a journey. But, but the reality is I started feeding faith. I started looking at my circumstances with eyes of faith. I, I made the most important thing my relationship with Jesus. And over time, healing started to happen. And I'm excited for whatever God has. Uh, I know that I'm going to have a lot. I know that there's a lot of things that he did in me in that season that I may not even be aware of yet. And I know there's things he's still going to do because of that season that I'm not aware of yet. But my first invitation to us for this year is to look at our circumstances through eyes of faith. The second is believing God for the impossible. Believing God for the impossible. Like one of the ways we know that we're living by faith is we can look back and say we wouldn't actually be able to be where we are without God's intervention. So one of the questions I want to think about is what kind of risks are we taking? What kind of ways are we living our life that would go completely awry if we didn't have Jesus in our life? What are the things that we are doing that, that we need to depend on him for? I've already read the verse where Jesus says, faith like a mustard seed can move mountains. We see throughout Jesus' ministry, he does some pretty impossible things. He does some pretty amazing things. And, and, and a lot of them throughout his ministry, he says, these things happen because of your faith. In Mark, there's three stories, kind of boom, 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 starting in chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, Jesus is ministering in his house, and it's a full house. It is not a COVID-safe house. There's like 50 people in a small living room. He's preaching. He's probably got this great sermon, you know. All of a sudden, what happens? The drywall starts moving up in the roof. <laughs> Someone's foot comes through the ceiling. They start cutting a hole in the roof. 
Could you imagine being there when that happened? <laughs> All of a sudden, there's these guys lowering a paralytic man through the roof because they couldn't get to Jesus through the front door. So they go up to the roof, cut a hole in the roof, lower their friend in through. That's a crazy story, isn't it? We read that, I feel like we read that story, we kind of brush over the details of it, but like, if you actually put yourself in that story, that's insane. Like, Jesus is like ministering in your house, and then, could you imagine being the homeowner? Like, what the heck? I'm not inviting this guy back. <laughs> and so these friends lower their paralytic friend through the roof to Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, it says this. <clears throat> When they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him. When they made an opening, they laid the bed or let the bed down on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Later he says this, Your sins are forgiven, and rise, take up your bed, and walk. May you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The paralytic man rose and immediately picked up his bed, went out before them, and all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. There's a lot of details in that story that I don't have time to unpack tonight, but I just want I, I to point out the, what Jesus said when his friends lowered it down. Jesus said he saw the faith of the friends. I don't know if the paralytic guy had any faith. Who knows? But it says Jesus saw the faith of the friends, and he healed the man and forgave his sins. In Mark chapter 5, this is one of my favorite stories of Jesus. Um, Jesus is um, he's ministering, and a leader, this guy named Jairus, comes and says, hey, my daughter's sick. I need you to heal my daughter. And so Jesus says, okay, I'll come with you to your house. And, and Jesus is walking to this, this man's house, this leader, this big deal guy, when all of a sudden he feels power go out from him. In verse 24, it says this, a great crowd followed Jesus and they surrounded him. So just picture like Jesus walking and all these people, kind of like a mosh pit, just moving through town. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many doctors and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, even if I touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out for him, immediately turned in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Later it says this, Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Uh, again, I've been reading through the Old Testament, and so when you read through the Old Testament, you realize a bleeding woman is what they would have, the Jewish people would have described as unclean. Nobody was allowed to touch her. She wasn't allowed to touch anybody. By law, if she touched anybody, they would have to stay separate or like isolate themselves for the entire day. Then they would have to go to the temple the next day and wash themselves to be made clean from this woman touching them. So this woman had been bleeding for years, which means she probably hadn't touched or been touched by anyone for years. Think about that. This woman sees Jesus. She's probably heard about this guy who does miracles. He does amazing things. She thinks, what will happen if I touch him? What will happen? She goes and she touches him. And rather than Jesus being made unclean, the woman becomes clean. 
because of her faith. Because she was bold enough to believe that if I touch Jesus, he's going to heal me. The final story of faith, this one's not as encouraging. Mark 6. <laughs> it isn't. This, is, this one's intense. This one really like messes with me. Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown. His disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where does this man get these things? Where is this wisdom given to him? How does he do all these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and Joseph, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? They took offense at Jesus. And he said to them, A prophet is not without honor in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. This is the kicker. Jesus could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And Jesus marveled because of their lack of faith. Jesus couldn't do any miracles in Nazareth because they didn't have enough faith. That verse just messes with me. It shows me how important it is that, that we have faith, that we live by faith, that we believe that God is able to do the impossible. And so out of these three stories, I just want you to think about what is God inviting you today? Who is he inviting you? What is he inviting you to, to break through a roof and to lower down to him? What is that thing in your life that you literally need to do something bold, something extreme about to show the faith that you have to believe that God can meet you in your place of need, meet you in your place of longing? What might that be today? The second question is, what do you need in a touch from Jesus? What do you need in a touch from Jesus? When you reach out and touch him, what do you need? Do you have the faith to believe for that today? And finally, what things may we not be seeing in our midst, in our churches, in our life because of our lack of faith? What things may we actually not be walking in and experiencing? They had Jesus physically right in front of him. He was doing miracles everywhere, but he didn't do any there. I'm not inviting this guy back. <laughs> what kind of things might we actually be limiting God doing in our midst because of our lack of faith? So I just want you to think about that now. Again, what, what might our act of breaking through the roof be? What might he be doing? Some of you need to do something intense. Like, there might actually be some of you that need to take a bold step of faith, break through a roof, do something crazy. Some of you, again, you might just need to touch him. You might need to reach out and say, Jesus, I'm really believing you for this. I'm going to take a touch of faith. I'm going to take a risk. And some of us might just be living in offense and guilt towards Jesus. And, and faith has not been happening. So what impossible things are you believing God for? What impossible things are you believing God for? Uh, again, I wanted to share a personal story with each of these. Um, the first one, or for this one, <clears throat> right after Chris and I were married, um, it, it was a really intense season of, of my life because I felt like God was inviting me to be on staff with the House of Prayer Edmonton. And um, this was like, I had gone through Bible school. I, I, was, I was at a point, but I was so convinced that God wanted me to be at House of Prayer. And, and the crazy thing about that is that they, didn't, they couldn't pay me. Like, all of my money would have had to come through raising support. And so we, we had just gotten married. We were living in our first house. We were paying rent. And I was living as a missionary, raising my support month to month. <laughs> Talk about impossible. <laughs> um, there was one month where legitimately we didn't have enough money to pay our rent that next month. It was like the 29th. 
the 31st was coming. We did not have enough money in our bank account and not enough money was coming in between then to pay our rent check. We pre-written all of our checks, that one would have bounced. We were living by faith. We believed that God was gonna move, that he was gonna provide for us. And I remember like Kirsten and I actually like thanking God for how he was gonna provide. And, and I remember I, I was at the church one day, I opened our church mailbox. We used to have those mailboxes at church. Um, and there was a check inside. I don't even know who it was from. I, I saw the name, but I didn't know who she was. I don't know, I, I asked my dad, who's a pastor of the church. I think he said, I know that lady, but he didn't know her well. And it more than covered our rent for that month. Sometimes we gotta step out in faith and believe that God can meet us there. Uh, the other crazy thing is that season of our life, like we never had to pay for a car. Like God kept providing vehicles for us. We'd have a car breakdown and then somebody would post, hey, does anyone know anyone in need of a car? And then we would reach out to them. They'd be like, oh, here, have this car. Like literally we had three beater cars just kind of like given to us or sold to us for really cheap in that season. I'm not saying this to brag or anything like that. I'm just saying that God does this still. It may be something small. It may be something big. It may be something like finances. It may be something like healing. I could tell you healing stories from my own life too. God still moves. We can trust him. He moves in the impossible ways. Let's believe it. Let's live our lives like it's true. And finally, faith is following Jesus in a radical way. James 2.17 says this. It's really simple. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith is a verb. <laughs> Again, like I said, faith is not just believing hard enough. Faith is how we live our life. It is accompanied by our character, by our life. Probably one of the best examples of faith in the Old Testament, in, in my opinion, for somebody whose circumstances don't make any sense, is Joseph. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to tell a lot of stories about from the Bible tonight because when you read through Hebrews 11 and 12, these passages about faith, it's just story after story about uh, how God had been at work. And so that's what I wanted to do tonight. Um, but in Genesis 37, we meet this guy named Joseph. And uh, Joseph is the, the youngest or second youngest of 12 brothers. Uh, and um, he's like not liked at all by his brothers. But God gives him this dream where in the dream, his brothers are basically kneeling at his feet. And in his pride and in his youth, Joseph goes and tells the brothers his dream. Why would you do that, Joseph? That makes no sense. Why would you go and tell your brothers this dream? So Joseph tells the brothers this dream, and what happens? His brothers leave him for dead, they throw him in a well, and uh, they tell his father that he's died. And if I'm Joseph in that well, I've pretty much given up on that dream by then, right? But Joseph has faith, and that faith has works. And what we see is Joseph gets rescued from the well, sold into slavery. Everywhere Joseph goes, he is exemplary to the point where everywhere he goes, he becomes the guy in charge. His character is so incredible that he is a person of influence no matter where he goes. 
we read this in Genesis 39, verses 3 to 4. It says this, Joseph's master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused Joseph and all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him the overseer of his house and put him in charge of everything that he had. Joseph stays faithful. And then we know, those of us who know the story know what happens next. Joseph is in charge of Potiphar's house, this guy who's a ruler in Egypt. And Potiphar's wife comes and tries to seduce Joseph. But Joseph denies her. And then she frames him. And Joseph goes to prison. And then I just can't, like, when I put myself in Joseph's shoes, I'm like, I would have given up on that dream a long time ago, God. You gave me this dream, and, um, and, and literally everything in my life has taken me or moved me away from that dream. But Joseph knew that faith wasn't just about believing that God was still going to come through with the dream. Faith was about faithfulness to God. And so in the midst of Joseph's struggles, in the midst of the, the circumstances of his life coming against him, Joseph never loses faith. He never loses sight, and he stays faithful to God. How many people think Joseph could have easily just slept with Potiphar's wife and said, I deserve this. I deserve this. Look at how crappy my life has been. I deserve some of this. No, he never said that. He stayed faithful because faith without works is dead. And so Joseph is in prison. He starts interpreting dreams for the prisoners there. A few years later, the prisoners tell Pharaoh, the the main ruler, about this guy in prison that can interpret dreams. And then Joseph's set free from prison, and he becomes a ruler in Egypt. And literally, we read a few chapters later, Joseph's brothers coming and kneeling at his feet. It's a crazy story, and again, I don't have time to get into all the details of it. I just wanted to give it tonight as an example of following Jesus in a radical way that even when our circumstances don't make sense, we still stay faithful to God. James 2.17, faith without works is dead. And so if we're not seeing the promises of God coming through in our life right now, we still want to live with integrity. We still want to live with character. We still want to be faithful to God. I'd imagine that Joseph would have stayed faithful even if that that dream had never happened. I'd imagine, because he was just so convinced in who God was and his character. Craig Cooney says this, we spend so much time trying to understand everything up front when what God is saying is that you just need to obey and take the next step. You don't understand, and then you obey. You obey the next step God has told you to take, and as you look back, it's only then you understand that God was at work all along. That's when it begins to make sense. I can't give a lot of details about what I'm currently going through, Um, but uh, I was at a, uh, the church that we were visiting while I was on my stress leave brought in a prophetic minister, and he was was sharing, and, um, and one of the things that I don't know about you, but I like love when anyone who has a prophetic gift, you know, ministers and prays over me and releases a prophetic word. I just love it. I, I eat it all up. I'm the guy. I'm always the first one to come forward in every altar call. It doesn't really matter what it's for. I'm like, I want prayer. I want it. I just want God. <laughs> and um, I remember standing there, you know, this guy was kind of walking around the crowd. Um, and he, uh, and I remember thinking like, oh, I'd love him to come and pray for me, prophesy over me. And I sense the Lord say, why do you need him to prophesy over you? You already know what you're supposed to do. 
was like, oh, God, come on. <laughs> but I, I needed, he's like, you don't need another confirmation. You just need to obey. And since then, I have taken a step and obeyed what he was leading me to. I can't share details about it. Um, but um, the reality is that, that I think oftentimes we need to stop asking Jesus what to do and start asking him for the faith to do what we know we're supposed to do. Right? If Joseph had just kept asking God, like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? You know, he probably still would have been with the first group of slaves that, that he was with. But he just stayed obedient. He kept following God despite his circumstances. He kept seeking him out. Sometimes the last thing we need is another prophetic word. What we need to do is hold on to the words that have been spoken. Take steps of faith that we'll start to see these things come to fulfillment in our life. Uh, you guys come up, worship team. So I want to encourage you guys tonight. Um, what is God inviting you into? What does faith look like for you in this coming year? What are some, like I said, I... I I love those three stories about Jesus that, that I shared, and I want, I want us to think more about those three questions. So what, what may be the, uh, the, the wall that we need to break down? Uh, the thing, the bold step or action we need to take? What might be the touch that we need from Jesus where we just come to him and reach out and touch him? Touch the hem of his robe, believing by faith that he's going to give us what our hearts need. What offense may we have towards God that may be hindering or limiting our faith in this season that we need to lay down and say, Jesus, I'm sorry I've been offended by you. I don't want to limit anything you're going to do in my life because of my lack of faith. And then finally, what does simple obedience look like for you now in this season? What does living by faith and, and by works look like for you in this season? What simple steps of obedience is he calling you to? Uh, what we're going to do now, um, we'd like to actually have time to pray tonight. Um, we, we won't do it when the band is playing because um, we want to be able to have safe distance for people. But what we're going to do is Karis and the band, is gonna, they're going to sing a little bit more. And during that time, just be thinking about what I've been sharing tonight and what you may need prayer for. And then after the service is done, uh, if you need prayer tonight, we're just going to be available over here. A couple of our prayer team will we'll pray at a distance with masks. Um, but the room will be quieter, so hopefully we'll be able to hear one another. Yeah, I just really sense God's doing a deep work in, in people's hearts right now. place for a little while. God, let faith rise up in us. Not about emotion, not about not about anything but who you are, God. Make yourself really big right now. Make yourself really big right now, Jesus. right now. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, 
I just lift up my brothers and sisters to you right now, God, and I just pray that faith would rise up in our hearts, Jesus. Again, not just about us feeling or believing hard enough, but about us seeing you so much bigger than our circumstances, God. Jesus, we come before you and we receive all that you have for us right now, God. We want to feed faith right now. We want to feed faith right now. Declare your goodness. Declare your leadership. Declare your promises. Declare our intention to follow you, Jesus. To, to live a life that reflects you, that, that, that is firm in believing who you are, who you say that we are. Jesus, we walk by faith not by sight. And so, Lord, I just pray that in this season, God, we would learn to trust you. We would learn to see you. We would learn to know you. We would learn to receive from you, God. Yes, God, we pray that you would lead us now, even as we've been thinking about these questions, God, about what our steps, our response might be to your word, Lord Jesus. I pray that your spirit would be leading us, God, that we would receive from you and follow you in boldness into this new year, Jesus. That 2021 would be a year of advance, it would be a year of increase, it would be a year of healing, it would be a year of freedom. It would be a year where we look back and say, I would not have made it through this year without your hand at work, God. We pray that our neighbors would be saved. We pray that our families would be saved. We pray that our, the, the, the people that we interact with in our workplaces, the people we interact with at school would be saved because they see the faith that we have and they see that we serve a God who is alive, a God who is real. That God, people would be busting down the doors of churches because they would say, we want that. We want that. We would see people lowering their friends through the room because God's doing something real. That's my prayer for, for us, God, a resurgence. That's my prayer for us as brothers and sisters, Lord Jesus, in this city, the church, in this city, that we would be marked by our faith in a real God. The same God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. And so we walk by faith, God. Continue to lead us and empower us even now. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.